Welcome to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, certified financial planner, founder and owner of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. I'm joined here today with one of my associates, Kyle Ryan, uh, who's also a certified financial planner as well as a chartered financial consultant. Uh, thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. Um, today, what we're going to talk about is a relatively fresh and new topic, and it is referred to as Secure Act 2.0. Well, basically, this is piggybacking on the Secure Act of 2019, which took effect in January of 2020. Uh, the purpose of today is to talk very briefly about what the SECURE Act in 2019 was, but more importantly, what the SECURE Act 2.0 is. Uh, the SECURE Act 2.0, as an overview, provides a tremendous amount of changes as it pertains to retirement plans and required minimum distributions and things along that nature. One thing is for certain, this bill, I believe, was 1,100 or 1,400 pages. <laughs> it was part of an overall larger bill. And so I'm learning this. I wrote a paper, um, basically a novel, it's like five or six pages, uh, right around New Year's, because this only came about in late December. Yep. So I wrote an article, and we've been going, and we saw a webinar yesterday, absolutely terrific. Um, and, and so what I'm finding here is that the Secure 2.0 is a whole lot more vast than I originally thought, extremely detailed. And I think what's going to happen too is that people are going to learn a little bit on the fly because the IRS, this is a big tax code change actually, and the IRS probably still hasn't figured out to some extent how they're going to uh, implement it. So with no further ado, Kyle and I are going to spend some time here going over and trying to provide an overview uh, of the SECURE Act. And again, we're going to probably be leaving some details out uh, for the purpose of it. Just want to awaken. One of the things that, that was brought, if you see something, don't worry about studying it. But if you come across it, know that it exists. Yeah. I mean, right. there was 90 new provisions in the SECURE Act. 90? There was over 90 new provisions in it, so there's no way we could possibly cover them all. But we're going to hit on the top yep. big ones. We're going to try. So anyway, again, it was part of a, um, a larger bill, okay, uh, another giant spending plan with the government, and it snuck in there. Um, the one thing that a lot of people ask, you hear this all the time, is this permanent? I laugh. Okay. Yes. Okay. It's permanent? until they decide to change it. Does, uh, <laughs> does that happen often in uh, politics when a new yeah, administration no comes in? <laughs> well, the reality of it is that like, you know, everything is permanent until they change it. So uh, it, it, it's not a proposed law. It's going in. But you know, we all know full well that they can change tax laws at any time, not to mention at the end of 2025 is reverting back to the old tax laws from uh, prior to 2018. And you never know if they piggyback those with others. Yep. So no further ado, let's jump right in. So we're going to just touch upon some of the topics. RMDs was one of the ones. So Secure Act of 2019 took the required minimum distribution age from 70 and a half to 72. Well, what Secure 2.0 does is starting next year, it goes to 73. Actually, next year is this year now. This year, yeah. I know, it's hard to believe. Yep. Uh, in 2023, the 
uh, RMD age goes up to 20 uh, to 73. So really, it has no bearing because anybody who turned 72 last year is turning 73. So it doesn't add any new people. It's just that people coming through the system later, it, their age is 73, and then in 2033, that age goes up to 75. Yep. My initial knee-jerk reaction on this was, you know, based on our experience in doing the financial planning, is the RMD is almost silly. People who need the money are taking the money, yep. okay? And therefore, the RMD is not really that important. And those people who don't need the money are the ones that the RMD is applying to. Yes. Because they're taking it only because they have to and, you they're know. just letting their accounts grow. They're leaving it to who inherits right. it. Right. So at first, that made me think that the government is shooting themselves in the foot from the perspective of delaying when they get their taxes. However, what I hadn't thought about is passing on to beneficiaries. Yeah. Because yeah. now they're going to be compressed under the secure First one, they're going to be compressed to having to take it out in 10 years. And in doing so, that could very easily put people into a higher income tax bracket so that the federal government actually gets more tax revenue out of it. And, and just to clarify that a little bit, what the, the first SECURE Act of 2019 did was previously, if you inherited an IRA, you would be able to stretch it out over your own lifetime. Now how it works is you have to, you have, to have it out, have distributed all of it within 10 years. So that means that now, if you're delaying your required minimum distributions as far as you can, your account's just going to keep growing and your, your beneficiaries are going to have to really crunch that into those 10 years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, these are things that we've talked about several times before. Oh, yeah. You know, if you look at average life expectancy, puts the beneficiaries at their prime earning years and now all of a sudden they're taking on all this taxable income. Yeah, here you go, kids. You know, you're, yeah, you're, fi right. you're finally in your highest earning years. You're in your high tax brackets. Here's a bunch of money you got to take out in 10 years. I know. But Beautiful. I don't think anyone's complained about inheriting money. No, I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, I just hate that the federal government ends up being one of the primary beneficiaries. Yep. And, you know, that's, again, a lot of tax planning strategies we do. So the next thing that they also did with these plans is uh, they're now having automatic enrollment. Now, this is going to start until 2025. For what it's worth, uh, I, I should point out that most of the changes that we're going to be talking about today are actually for uh, small business owners establishing new retirement plans. Now, we just established a retirement plan for a new business. They're starting it on January 1st, and I couldn't wait to pick up the phone and call them and, oh, by the way, you are starting this plan anyway. Look at all of the beautiful things that are coming with it, and we'll talk about them in a few minutes. Yep. But what they're doing is they're doing auto-enrollment. I, I like the idea. So what's going to happen is that when you join a plan uh, starting in 2025, you have to start with 3% and you have to add 1% every year, meaning that in the second year, it'll be 4 and then 5 and then 6. I think it's great because what it does is it encourages people to contribute to the retirement plan. Absolutely. And who it helps is the people who don't know, who wouldn't have missed it otherwise, who didn't know it would have existed. Oh. You know, it's, it's incredible how many of my peers, colleagues, you know, you work in, for five, ten years and you don't even realize the money going out to your 401k. That's right. Or Pay you yourself don't, first. Yeah, or you don't realize you're contributing to it, you don't realize you're not contributing to it. This is a great way for those people that... Well, it forces people to do it automatically because yeah. they think about, you know, I, I want the money or 
uh, they weren't allowed to for a certain period of time, yeah. this automatically enrolls them. I mean, you know as well as I do that we come across younger people all the time who just never contributed. Yeah. And I look back to when I started working, had I not had a company match, I probably would have been one of those people who didn't contribute. Yeah, I mean, you'd go right to a Roth IRA or something like that at this point, but yeah, yeah I agree. More changes. Um, the next thing they did is they changed uh, catch-up contributions. Okay, now, more specifically, this is referencing the catch-up contributions inside 401ks and retirement plans, 401ks, 457s, 403bs. Do you want to define what catch-up contributions oh, are? Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, go ahead, you, since you okay. brought it up. Yeah, um, so catch-up contributions are for those over the age of 50. Um, you can, you are allowed to increase your contributions to a 401k, IRA, they have different rates as to how much you can contribute into them, but once you hit that special age of 50, you're allowed to catch up and contribute more to make up for lost time. Right, exactly, and he did that because, you know, this is, this is old, this, is, this goes back a number yeah. of years. Yeah. Um, I believe it's 2001 EGTRA uh, tax law changes, but uh, the whole idea was to encourage those people who, for whatever reason, raising children, et cetera, weren't able to contribute, and now all of a sudden they're trying to catch up because yeah. they're closing in on retirement. Yeah. Well, what they're doing here with the inside the 401k, by the way, the numbers from 2021 where you were allowed to contribute 20500 to your regular 401k, and if you're the prime age of 50 or over, you got an extra 6500 which allowed you 27000 yep. uh, Starting this year, your 401ks, it's 22500 for um, the, the regular and then 7500 which means in 2023, um, we can contribute up to $30,000. But what they've done to change this, which is a really interesting rule, is they're saying that if you made more than $145,000 earned income the prior year, then my catch-up contribution has to be to the after-tax Roth yep. uh, piece. Yeah. So there is an area where the government's trying to make it so that they're getting people to contribute and they're getting their tax revenue now as opposed to having the tax deductions. I, I think it's kind of neat. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You know, if you're a high earner and you're, say, in the 20 plus percent tax bracket, they can either have you give them money for taxes right now or they can wait till later. They're, they just want their money now. Right. It, it, makes, it makes perfect sense. Absolutely. So the other thing they threw in, which was bizarre, okay, I, I like the idea, but what they did is they have the additional catch-up contributions. Again, this starts in 2024. The additional catch-up contributions, if you're between the ages of 60 and 63, which is actually four years, 60, one, two, and three, yeah. um, your catch-up contribution actually goes up you'll be able to contribute 50% more than the current catch-up contribution or 10,000, whichever is greater. Well, 10,000 is old because the new catch-up contribution is 7,500 and 50% of 7,500 or 150% is 10,750, yep. right? Yep, yeah, roughly. Something like that, yeah, <laughs> something like that, right. So basically for those four years, your catch-up contributions can be greater, okay? There's more stuff that are coming down the pike um, we're going to talk about that sort of, this slide got a little interjected in here, but the startup tax credits, okay, this was when I was referencing that Didn't 401k yep. plan that we're establishing for that new, new plan new that we're business, establishing. Yeah. 
up until now, they had startup credits where you get 50% up to, you know, 50% of your administrative expenses for starting up the plan. How much are those usually? Uh, good question. I, I, I know they generally three or four thousand dollars. Okay. Well, that's okay. not a small amount. No, it's not. So let's say it's four thousand dollars. I mean, as you figure, you're starting up the plan, and, and all the different administrative costs may not be quite that much, but yeah. let's just make the math easy. Yeah, yeah. It used to be that you got a fifty percent tax credit. Now, tax credit means the money comes back home to Papa. That's pure money, and then a fifty percent, and then the tax deduction for the remaining fifty percent. Yeah. So. What they did here is they increased it to 100%, okay? Which means that in that particular instance, they could get $4,000, okay? Now it's capped at five, mm -hmm. and it's also capped at $1,000 per participant. So if I'm opening a new 401k, or a small employer's opening a new 401k, and they only have three employees, they'll only be able to get up to $3,000. Yep. But, they have another one that came out with this. As a piggyback to this, they also have, and this is the one I'm a little vague on, so help yep. me with it, yep. Yep. is they're also going to give the employer a tax credit for matching contributions up to $1,000 per participant as long as the participant is making under 100000 right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so I'll just pay you less than 100000 <laughs> I'll just make sure all my employees are underneath it. But anyway, so the long and short of it is that if, I ha if a new employer has 10 participants in the plan and they're doing matching contributions, they'll get a tax credit of up to $1,000 per person, yeah. which it's is 10000 plus for the startup. That's correct. It, they've made it really cost-effective not they they've removed a lot of the roadblocks that were in business owners ways of creating these retirement plans they've made it auto enrollment for the employees benefit they've made all of these tax credits to make it pretty much i don't want to call it free but almost free the first year that you set it up oh it basically is almost free yeah it's and so it, it is an impediment mm -hmm. okay so you know companies were doing simple iras why because the simple ira has similarities to the 401k. A little bit cheaper. But it's significantly cheaper yeah. the employer. Yep. Here, and, and it has restrictions as a result, the 401k opens the doors to a lot of things that the employer can do, not to mention increasing the amount of contributions that each employee as well as the owner can make. They got that, they got the profit sharing plan. Generally, you can have a greater plethora of investment choices. So now what this did, is it opened the door to the employer now being able to afford establishing a retirement plan. And I think between the two, that is absolutely terrific. And so the rule is you got 100% tax credit for the first two years, 75, and this is for the contributing to the participant. Correct, yeah. Okay. So, 100% for the first two years, 75% for the third year, 50% for the fourth year, 25% for the fifth year. Yep. I'm telling you what, that is an absolutely big, between that and the fact that the tax credits are for the first three years, it's saving the employer 
a whole lot of money. And it's coming, at it's, a, it's coming at a really crucial time. It's really hard to retain employees right now. And if you can just offer this additional benefit to your employees that otherwise didn't exist for free, almost. You yeah, know, almost for free. And, and it's, actually, that's a, it's a good point that you just brought up as it is a benefit. So we're going to pick up here. We're going to go to break right at the moment. Uh, we're going to pick up with right where we left off in just a few moments. We'll be right back. Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary no-obligation consultation. Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained, and I'm your host, Mike Manager, Certified Financial Planner, and I'm joined with uh, one of my associates, Kyle Ryan, also a CFP and a Chartered Financial Consultant. We're talking about Secure 2.0, and most of, uh, it's, it's a big, big, big tax law. Yep. We're only scratching the surface, but um, it really is providing changes to retirement plans like 401ks, 403bs. Uh, that people are familiar with. And where we left off uh, in the first segment is the government is really, really providing significant tax breaks for companies to start up retirement plans. Now, the irony of having been around for a while, it there is a period of time they were talking about, and I don't know if this is I don't even remember what it was, five, ten years ago. No, it was under Bush, so, oh, my God, that's at least, <laughs> yeah. at least ten years ago. Yeah. Um, that they were talking about privatizing Social Security okay. and taking the um, burden of saving for retirement off of the government because Social Security is underfunded mm -hmm. and passing it on to the consumer. That's about the same time that they were, uh, they added the catch-up contra uh, contributions, and it, it just makes me think is the government trying to create all these incentives for people to save on their own to take some of the burden off of Social Security later? Don't know what goes on behind the closed doors, but. Well, it's not, I, I think it's definitely partially that, but they're also seeing how many people rely solely on Social Security, which is the issue. You know, people don't plan on relying only on Social Security. Right. It just ends up being what they're left with because there's no other choice. Correct. But there's a, been a transition um, that occurred probably about 30 years ago, right about the time that I entered the workforce, is it used to be there were pensions out there, okay? And most companies had pensions. In 1995, 87 of the top 100 companies had pensions. So people would work, they would have their Social Security and their pension when they retire. Well, when pensions started going by the wayside, Social Security became a concern now the onus is being placed onto 
the retiree. Yep. So I love the fact that the the IRS and the Department of Labor, which oversees 401k plans, Department of Labor. Uh, the, I love the fact that they're creating all of these incentives uh, for employers to establish their the plan. And you know, I know as financial advisors, I hope that the employer takes the plan and brings a good financial advisor, a fiduciary, um, to be able to help the participants in the plan because it's like anything that you start early, you're gonna make a big difference later yes. in life. Yeah, so. and even the business owner themselves could, you know, establishing the plan to make sure it has all the nooks and crannies that you want it to have for yourself and your employees. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and that's that's also where we left off yeah. uh, on the last segment is, um, is is talking about how 401k and retirement pro, uh, plans are actually employee benefit. In this tight labor market, the great transition, right? Was yeah, it the, the great, great uh, resignation? Great resignation. The yeah. great resignation. Uh, basically, employers are looking for ways to try to lock in employees. Yeah. And having a good benefits program and a good 401k program can certainly make the difference or certainly make the difference if you don't have one. It's absolutely. Okay? It's yeah. becoming a standard. So another uh, feature of the Secure 2.0 was the loan payments. Okay, so one of the things that the, the country realizes that we're having problems with uh, the younger generation graduating from college and just straddled with debt. Yep. Okay, uh, the government, as we all know, over the basically since the pandemic has uh, deferred loan payments. Uh, they're talking about uh, giving a $10,000, up to $10,000 uh, refund, if you will. Yeah, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Um, they're, they're trying to do a lot of things. The fact of the matter is, is that with the cost of college having gone up so much over the years, you've got kids graduating from college. It's not hard to have $100,000 in loans. No. That's 25 grand a year. Yeah, that's nothing. Okay, that's nothing. Yeah. Okay, and you know we know clients who have $200,000 worth of loans. Yep. So you give a kid 150, 200,000, or even $100,000 worth of loans. Next thing you know, they graduate from college, and just their loan payments are the equivalent of a mortgage. Yep. So you couple that with the increased cost of buying a home, it's really putting a trap on the college grads these days. You're seeing it in a lot of different ways. I mean, you could follow the data, you know, savings rates are at nearly all-time all lows. Mm -hmm. You know, people are living in their parents' homes longer now because it's just the cheaper thing to do. You know, it's, it's having a cultural shift on my generation because we are straddled with that. There's right. not much you can do about it. So what this allows you to do is you can make contributions to, or pay off your student loans and before you'd get no help, you know, if you don't contribute to your 401k, you don't get a match. Right. And you had to choose one or the other, which was really difficult. You know, choosing, do I want to save for something 40 years away or take on my student loans right now? Really difficult because you want to do both. So this allows you to do both. You can contribute, Correct. you can pay off your student loans while your employer matches your contribution and deposits it into your 401k. Well, and, and also to your point is that you may not be able to afford contributing to your 401k no. because you got a giant student loan payment. Yeah. And what this does is it gives the credit so that if you're spending $300 a month 
on your loan payments, mm -hmm. then if I'm matching dollar for dollar up to whatever that is and it's with it, that means you're still getting the $300 matching to your 401k. Yeah. Now, as with most of the other programs, I have no idea how they're going to uh, track yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, How are they going to track that Tracking it's not our, our Right, our exactly. <laughs> well, well, it will be. Yeah, all right, it will be. <laughs> it will be our concern. Here's the next thing that I really love the daylights out of, okay, is they're opening the door for uh, existing, and I think this is immediate, that if I'm matching you in your 401k, mm -hmm. it has always been pre-tax. Why? Because I'm getting a tax deduction, okay? Very simple fact. If I'm getting a tax deduction, it is a pre-tax dollar. But how many times do we come across clients who have this giant 401k or they just don't want the pre-tax dollars, but no matter what, the company is contributing pre-tax. Yep. I love this feature because what it does is it allows you as the participant to opt in to saying, hey, I want my match to go to Roth. So here's how I suspect they're going to do it is that if I'm using that $300, mm -hmm. okay, if I'm providing a matching contribution of $300, what's going to happen is that it's going to count as income to you. Yep. Okay. So what will happen is it'll be what's referred to as imputed income, which means that you'll see on the paycheck $300 as if you had $300 worth of income and you'll be paying taxes on that 300. Correct. So your paycheck will go down, but what's happened is that you're now building um, the Roth piece. Now, why is that important? We've been preaching since 2003 that, especially since 2018 under the current tax environment, that many people out there unknowingly are gonna find themselves in a higher income, marginal income tax bracket in retirement than today. What this does is it enables them to capitalize on the opportunity of the IRS being on sale, certainly right now. Yeah, it's a good way to get every dollar you possibly can into the Roth. That's correct. And very importantly, is the employer still gets the tax deduction for their contributions. That's correct. Right? That's correct. So one of the things that, uh, you know, I heard in a webinar talking about this is probably the best one I've seen so far, and we've been watching a bunch of them is they said that you'll only be able to do it with vested contributions, which, by the way, makes sense. Do you want to pay taxes on money that if you leave the company, you're leaving it behind? No. Of course not. <laughs> no. However, you know, that's the immediate knee-jerk reaction that you're only allowed to do that with um, vested monies. So I wonder if they relax that and if you ever leave the company and the money goes back into the plan that it may turn into a tax deduction. Um, I just absolutely love this, but it also needs to be adopted into the plan document. So what I'd like to do is add a couple more little stragglers of which only touch and scratch in the surface. Yep. Okay. They have the savers matching program. I, you know, whoop-de-doo. It's a, a match not a tax credit, 
but that really applies to such a narrow window of the population, almost like the earned income credit. You can't be a student and you have to earn very little, but more than hardly anything. Yeah, and the credit's so, nothing to write home about right, anyway. Right, exactly. They're now creating an emergency savings account, which enables you to be able to utilize your 401k for up to $2,500, where you're contributing after tax, which is Roth. You can get matched on it, okay? And if you had an emergency, you could tap in. I haven't really specified what is an emergency. Yeah, no penalties. Right, no penalties, right. No tax, no penalties. Um, that sounds good, but we'll believe exactly how they promulgate it. Um, another one is that they're making the SEP and the simple. They're allowing the Roth component, yep. which I always wondered why they didn't, okay? Because every other one gives you the ability to go Roth, but now they can make it so that the simple IRA and the SEPs can be Roth contributions. Love it to death. Yep. And the other thing, uh, I'll finish off on this one, is they're allowing the residuals of 529 plans to be moved into a Roth IRA. I love it. That is sweet. Yep. Because if you think about it, um, I, mind you, some states give you a state tax deduction. The Fed doesn't give you the tax deduction. But if I'm saving for a 529 for my kids, and either they get a scholarship or, or they go to a cheaper school or the growth of it goes better than we ever anticipated, at the, at the end of the day, if they don't use it all, so what I could do now is take every year and move from the 529 over to a Roth IRA. As long as the 529 has been open for 15 years. 15 years. And you can only transfer $35,000 to each beneficiary. Total. And up to the IRA contribution limit per year. Okay. And if I move that over, then I can't make an IRA contribution Correct. or a Roth IRA. Yep. Um, boy, I'll tell you what, that, that is another solution that wasn't available and I actually have a couple clients who have leftover 529 plans. So anyway, uh, thanks for your participation, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining. Uh, once again, let's, let's tie this all in together. So this Secure 2.0 was enacted in the end of 2022 in December uh, as part of a giant larger bill. Uh, this has a ton of things that, to be honest, we probably haven't even scratched the surface with all of them. However, fundamentally, they made a lot of changes to retirement plans and creating tremendous incentives for small businesses starting up a plan. The incentives are absolutely fantastic. I cheer and applaud uh, the government for this tax law change. So anyway, uh, thank you very much for joining and appreciate you taking your time to listen and watch our episode. Uh, until I see you next time, have a wonderful day, have a wonderful week, and thank you for joining us. And again, I'm the host of Financial Planning Expand, uh, Mike Manager, Certified Financial Planner. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.